Hey, Rotoviz Radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12 month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRADIO2021. That's RVRADIO2021, and you're going to save 10%. Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one, Adams, touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime and Rotoviz Radio brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and as always I'm joined by one of the co-owners at Rotoviz, the co-host of the Rotoviz Overtime podcast, it is Sean Siegel. Sean, when I started recording this show today with you, I was wearing a hoodie, it was hailstoning outside, I was thinking what month of the year it is, it is April, the hailstones were falling and uh, as we get ready to continue the show, I'm, <laughs> I've had to take off the hoodie, I've had to take, put the blind down, I've had to open the window as the sun is now beaming through the window, so uh, a little insight into the Irish weather conditions at the moment where it just seems to change from minute to minute, but uh, at least the sun is shining now, which is a positive um, but we get ready for another show, second show of the week. Uh, I would recommend the listeners head back and listen to the show uh, from Tuesday where we, we broke down some draft strategy for targeting a championship immediately in those dynasty startups, particularly in super flex formats. But today, Sean, we've got a lot. It's basically going to be a mailbag show. We've got a number of questions in from different listeners. We're going to break through them. We have some dynasty strategy we have some auction strategy we have some best ball strategy so lots of things we're going to cover on today's show so it should be pretty action-packed uh, as we get as we get straight into it yeah and it's going to be fun to do a listener a mailbag show today and we have uh, questions from from all different types of sources and we'll start out with with one of my favorites michael dubner uh messaged me earlier in the week and michael if you haven't been reading his stuff on the site, I mean, he's one of my favorite writers. He's done some really cool stuff with functional fantasy points and discussing uh, sort of the dynamics of how best ball scoring works. And reading through that, it really gives you a, a better sense of what's going on week to week in your best ball leagues, uh, some ways to exploit that, but then some ways to exploit it that maybe are somewhat counterintuitive. And I, I think that's always uh, the thing that is the most interesting. If you, uh, read an article that has a takeaway that you weren't expecting. If it's even something small that allows you to tweak what you're doing in a very subtle way to make it just that little bit better, right? There's so much great information out there now. Uh, people have access to all the news. There's so much great analysis that people are operating from a pretty high level. It's not necessarily the big differences that take you to the win, unless you're talking about zero running back, obviously. It's those subtle edges that allow you to a stockpile just a little advantage here a little advantage there and by the end you still are better than the other players in your league uh michael's had some really cool stuff that will allow you to do that in best ball and he writes me sort of a fun note here saying long time listener first time caller which obviously we love always love the road of this overtime show would love to ask a listener question for next week how does your best ball strategy change based on the month you're drafting pre-nfl draft early summer august does your preference for zero running back versus modified running back 
change? What are some over or undervalued theories to month specific draft strategy? And Colin, one of the really cool things here is, is that our roster construction explorers, both for the FFPC and for the fanball formats, really lets us go in and check out some of the different things that work month to month and see if things do change, right? And we can go in, we can look at it by month, we can look at it by year to see if these monthly changes are consistent year to year. You know, obviously, if it's just something where uh, almost all of the seasons, you're getting an 8% win rate for a certain approach, and then one season kind of out of the blue, you have a 25% win rate, and that takes the overall numbers up. You do want to be aware of the fact that in this one year, it did make a big difference. We're looking at both of those types of things, and we can do a lot with the Explorer, and then we can also look at the numbers of teams and the results and, and try and decide, well, did this happen because of fundamental elements of the format, or did probably a handful of players do some weird things that skewed things for a year or a month or that type of thing? Now, the first thing that we look at here is going to be this running back approach, right? Because one of the things that we found is that in best ball leagues, very similar to all other formats, but one of the cool things about the Roster Construction Explorer is we can demonstrate it so definitively is that wide receiver heavy starts are extremely effective and running back heavy starts are extremely ineffective. Now, that doesn't mean that balanced starts won't work for you. And certainly taking that star running back in round one and then building out with wide receivers, that's both a safe and a high upside approach. But we know that the thing that we don't want to do is start taking running backs and just keep taking them. That's going to leave you with a very, very, very poor win rate. By contrast, there are a lot of different wide receiver early approaches that will allow you to be successful. One of the things that we want to do with our zero running back, whether it's dynasty, like we talked about on Tuesday, or it's best ball, is we want to get one of those star tight ends. The tight ends very consistently come out as being a key piece of the puzzle. So we pull up the RCE, we look at the fanball format here, we talked about FFPC on Tuesday, and we look at zero running back for different time periods. And one of the things you can also do is you can look at the whole section of years from 2015 through 2020, where you can remove 2015 and 2016, which is something I do from time to time. 2015, so wide receiver heavy, 2016, so running back heavy, both the results from those seasons and the ADPs from those seasons are so different than what we're dealing with now that there is some value to occasionally uh, cutting them out. It's also worthwhile to include them and make sure that you check your work against that because we could have another season like 2015 or another season like 2016. Now, those are reasonable results. One of the reasons why I do tend to exclude them is not just because the results were sort of unusual, but the ADPs that kind of set that up are also not what we have today. So when you're looking at it, you want to get a sense for, okay, when I'm drafting, are the players and the positions that are available at these spots, are they going to be the ones that I have access to today? So we look at these last four years and we look at this zero running back format where we take our first running back after round five, right? And we follow some of the other best ball workshop lessons. We take the three defenses. We take that tight end early. And the thing that we see is that we have a 13.5% win rate. So above a 13% win rate overall, if you're taking six running backs, which is really the best approach for people who wait, right? So if you're taking a balanced approach, you want five running backs in this format. If you're going zero running back, you want six. That gives us above a 16% win rate and a 62% win 
top six percentage. Now we can kind of go and break down what we're looking at in terms of early in the season and late in the season, and Colin, those results are pretty striking. Yes, when we look at what's happening, pretty much uh, if we look kind of up to April, um, there's a significantly higher win percentage than if we look at what's drafted pre-April or sorry post-April all the way through to September in terms of the start of the NFL season. And if we're doing it for six running backs in that selection, um, we're getting a twenty-five percent uh, win rate in in the six six running backs going off that first option, and then we're dropping all the way down. Uh, to eleven point six in the second version. Now, it's given us between the five and six uh, running back count is given us a nineteen point one one sorry percent win rate overall. And then if we drop down to the other option for kind of the post draft process, it's taken it down to a ten point nine percent win rate overall. Uh, before Sean, you looked into this. Were you expecting it to be split as much as it actually is here to be as significant uh, off a change? It, it is interesting because we've talked about this a little bit in the past, and it's a question of exactly what is going on here. One of the things that you find, too, is if you split it down for just these sort of August and September drafts, and we see the same thing in the FFPC, the zero running back becomes increasingly less effective at that point. And so you know, my question would be, well, is that because the zero running back owners and the experienced zero running back players are focused on different formats at that point they're drafting you know sort of their main event teams they're drafting uh their just their redraft teams as opposed to their best ball teams at that point in the year or does it get increasingly difficult for zero running back owners in best ball and i think that we have a variety of things going on when we look at these early leagues we know that owners who are going with a more running back early and a more running back heavy approach they're going to hit a lot of landmines right if you're talking about the very earliest months, you don't necessarily know what's going to happen in free agency. We just talked about on Tuesday that we have now a slightly different dynamic for uh, James Conner, a slightly different dynamic for Chase Edmonds. We also don't know what's going to happen yet in the NFL draft, something that could change the value for some of these veteran running backs quite a bit. So it's going to hurt early running back drafters as the season develops if you've taken the risk on those guys early that risk becomes less and less and less as we get into the summer and then into the fall the other thing that happens is that we do know and we had a really cool article from curtis looking at this from a dynasty perspective but it's something that also happens in best ball where once owners know where these running backs are going to go in the nfl draft then they feel more comfortable taking them early and so zero so running back drafters, you know, they can have this little bit of a trap. You know, Blair had a cool article on the site talking about how the young players in best ball are not as effective, especially late in drafts. So after the first 100 picks, you're starting to take a lot of risk when you're drafting young players for best ball, because unlike regular redraft leagues, you can't just swap them out. If you draft a rookie who ends up not being part of the offense, like an Eno Benjamin, for example, you can't just say, we're going to cut him we're going to bring somebody else in you're limited to these five six running backs in best ball so you do want to use those picks very wisely at the same time we're talking about pre-nfl draft there can be some crazy values on some of these rookie running backs if you hit the right ones you're going to have a very very high win percentage and that's something that we're also seeing in these numbers 
Yeah, I, I was actually going to come back to Curtis's piece to see if you thought, and you've mentioned it there already, um, in terms of a tie-in. And I think some of the running backs that are going that are maybe zero RB targets at that point, depending mm-hmm. on how the draft plays out, depending on how, uh, obviously, free agency's already played out, but depending on how that depth chart looks then come after the draft, I think that there really starts to maybe move some of those ADPs up as well. So um, some of the players that maybe you're taking after that point have then been pushed up in terms of ADP as well for those uh, future drafts. So very interesting, um, quite quite a quite a difference between um, the two different formats. So uh, a very, very good question there from Michael. So Sean, moving on to the next set of questions, we have a question in from Charlie. He's wondering uh, in terms of, now this is something that I haven't played in this format myself, but uh, I'm going to, we're going to be able to answer the question to our best of our ability. Sean may have some uh, experience in terms of two tight end super flex leagues. So I've played in, you know, super flex with tight end premium where you can start two tight ends as the uh, kind of option but with a, a two tight end only super flex league so you potentially have to start two quarter or two tight ends no matter what but could start one quarterback um so he's looking in terms of how would your valuation of tight ends change and a start two tight end super flex dynasty league tight end seems to become more valuable than quarterbacks to him due to the scarcity so Obviously, there's going to be a lack of tight end depth. If we're having to start at least two a week, you're going to want to probably roster four to five tight ends in that situation to be able to have the depth, similar to how we talk about quarterbacks in a a super flex league. Um, And that is going to lower the pool based on the number of uh, quarterbacks that are going to be available in those leagues versus the number of quality tight ends that are going to be available. So I would agree with him, Sean, that they become valuable i don't i don't know if they'll become more valuable than, than quarterbacks but they in terms of position uh, scarcity and availability i think they it really pushes up that tight end value even more than just your standard tight end premium where you can start another one in the flex if, if you wished yeah and, and i think that charlie probably knows that we're going to be very on board with his conjecture here because we love the tight ends we think that they're important for all of the different formats we talked about on Tuesday at how you wanted to be pretty tight end heavy in the road of this trifex leagues. Uh, this question here reminds me a little bit of the research that we did last season for the Scott fishbowl, where Blair had his SFB tools looking at the tight end position and how you really wanted to attack that. As a result, my SFB team was almost all tight end in, in the early going there. I had uh, really based on the way that the draft fell and then who that I really wanted, I had, you know, four or five tight ends in those first eight or nine rounds. And, you know, every year there's some luck, there's some randomness, there's some flukiness to it, but that team did do very well. So that the tight end approach there in leagues where tight ends are valuable, you know, I think that you have to have them, you have to play them. You want to make sure you don't get caught out because if you get stuck playing bad tight ends in a league where, those tight ends have to be in the lineup that it's almost like losing an entire guy because you're going to take so many scores that are zero or close to zero that you lose an entire starting lineup spot right so you can't go out be starting a starting lineup that just doesn't have as many players as your opponents you want to be a very aware of that in these tight end heavy leagues yeah no i'd agree with that and uh, harkening back to what you mentioned there about the the work blair did last year and um, even things like when the flex tool um trying to slot in those i know where you're gonna have to put more of a weight into it but i think um having the tight ends the other thing to think about is if you have you know three to four tight ends that you can start on a weekly basis that's 
also tight ends that other teams can't start and that's going to give you that edge as Sean mentioned when they're starting players who are maybe getting them three four points uh, you can start somebody that's getting double digit points and that's going to give you a massive boost over the season uh, how balancing that um, versus the other um, values you know at the other positions is going to be a little bit depending on your league itself but I think it really does boost it up to, to try and target those guys in the, the earlier rounds and it's going to boost each tight end's value by uh, numerous rounds uh, similar to the effect I think that uh, quarterbacks get when you move from standard to super flex format so interesting uh, a lot of pressure starting two tight ends on a weekly basis starting one can be tricky enough but as Sean mentioned um, we, we, do, we do tend to love the tight end position here on the podcast um, so hopefully that did help Charlie thanks again for sending in that question two questions coming up here back to back auction questions auction uh, becoming uh, an interesting uh, kind of the, the popularity is growing as people's thirst for different formats and different leagues continues to develop the first one comes in from pm farley he sent in some uh, questions over the last couple of weeks uh, he did say to me on twitter that he'll keep sending in the the questions until i block him on twitter so <laughs> i said that I, I wouldn't block him so hopefully the questions keep coming uh, in our way um, he is looking in terms of auction leagues are so dynamic in nature that it's very difficult to find actionable advice, understanding the need to read the room and adjust accordingly based on the draft. Is there a basic guideline that uh, you know has been shown to give a substantial edge? The other question comes in from uh, Flife. Uh, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, he said, how does your running back wide receiver strategy change in an auction league? Or do we just stick with the zero RB or the single elite running back build in those? So I guess to summarize that, it would be um, a guideline or strategy that has shown to have a significant edge and then does our build change based on the uh, the format we're drafting and so uh, redraft or standard drafts versus um, your auction draft so I, I think the comment that was made uh, in the first question regarding judging the room or judging the draft I think an auction that is a super uh, important part of the the process uh, depending on how people are are bidding in those early rounds in particular and how people are valuing certain positions i think um is really the key in terms of how your your draft strategy is going to go because how things uh, happen from there can can change very quickly in terms of if there's bidding wars or if people are starting off with high bids can really affect your strategy moving forward uh, do you think sean when you get into a, an auction that is that one of the most important things has been able to try and read what other people's intentions are with those early picks yeah i mean auctions are tricky in that they do play out in a, in a variety of different ways and you don't necessarily going in how they're going to work in the same way that you might with a snake draft where you have a pretty good sense of not exactly where players are going to go but the general uh, feel of how that's going to snake through the first three four five six rounds you know who's going to be available in the late rounds to kind of build your team from the back all those types of things and so i think the most important thing about an auction league is to be prepared with the values that you think the players are worth and so even in some sort of slow auctions one of the things i do find is that players are kind of playing it by ear and don't have a a set number for what they want to bid on these guys so you know if the total value of auction units 
in your league is set at 2000, for example, then you need to have the players projected out to where you have the values kind of hitting that number and you know what you want to bid on those guys based on that. You also want to know which groups of players you want, which groups of players you're willing to buy and which groups of players you don't want to get caught with in sort of any scenario but to a certain extent, that's going to be reflected in the value that you give them, right? The players you don't want to get caught with at all, you're going to give almost certainly a lower value than what they would go for. But one of the reasons why I mentioned this is that one of the things that you see in auctions and the way that people lose auctions very quickly is that they have a, a group of guys that they want and they're more or less willing to bid on those guys regardless and to not do any price enforcement or just any bidding on, say, the, the second group, Right. When you do that, you're going to be paying more than the actual value for those guys because some of these players are going to be the most popular training players, right? Everybody is bidding them up and you see these bidding wars on players who, yes, they're good. Yes, we think they're going to break out. You know, if you're bidding on a T Higgins or Brandon Ayuk, you know, definitely go ahead, be in on those guys. Those guys are slightly undervalued. But one of the things that you find is players who may be slightly undervalued in a snake draft because not everything about their upside is priced in and people feel like, okay, well, I can't take them too early. I'll feel silly. People make fun of me for drafting up here. Those things tend to go out the window sometimes in these auction leagues where the person has been set on these guys they're going to get, right? And you're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to come out ahead because I'm not bidding on first-round players. I'm going to bid on the trendy third- and fourth-round players. Well, very quickly, you can find that in an auction, if you weren't aggressive on the first-round guys, then they went for less than they should have, and suddenly now people have more money left than they should have and as a result the other players are inflated so you have to be willing to take players who maybe are not your first choice if the value is there knowing that you can then trade them later right they're going to still have trade value in these leagues once the rosters are set people are going to make moves to try and get their roster the way they wanted people make more mistakes in auction leagues and as a result there there's the necessity for trades and so you have to be active and you have to be in on players you know if there are people you really don't want then yeah i mean don't go to that very top end of where you have them projected you know try and get a sense of of where the auction is going to stop and don't be the person who's left holding the bag but at the same time you you do have to be there pushing the prices up on some guys that you don't necessarily want making sure that you get those numbers up because any money that is not spent on those comes back and is spent on the guys that you want right and so you're going to affect the prices for your own players by not bidding on some of the other people now again it's going to depend too if you have 12 people if you have six people you know if you have a dispersal where you're doing an auction with two or three people you have very different dynamics and very different strategies that you have to employ based on that type of thing but the thing that i recommend and i think that you you have to have is you have to have a sense of who do i want how is my roster going to look in the end and what do i need to do in terms of valuing the players to get to that and you know to go with the second question here in terms of right running back wide receiver strategy zero rb single elite rb how does that change in an auction I tend to like a lot of fairly late guys, maybe not what you would look at in terms of a snake draft as being, say, 15 through 20 guys, maybe 10 through 14 guys. There can be a little bit of overconfidence there, perhaps. But how you play your draft out is also going to depend on exactly how you have your own board set for players who rank, say, 50 to 100 versus players who rank 100 
to 175. If you have a lot of guys in that 100 to 175 range that you like, you can count on them being relatively inexpensive in an auction league, perhaps in many cases even just one or two based on you know whatever the units are that you're using. And that's going to allow you to fill those roster spots that you need to fill. Maybe you don't have as many people from the 50 to 100 range as you would in a normal snake draft with the way that those fall. If that's the case, then I do like to go for those stars. And especially if you can get those stars early when sometimes people are reluctant to spend, right? Because you can't control the auction as much anymore, you know, once you don't have as much money. At the same time, there's an element of having controlled the auction if you get these stars at a value early. And so I still want to be very wide receiver heavy. It's going to depend on what your format is. If you're in a start two running back, two wide receiver, you know, one tight end, very thin starting lineup to where you can't you know, start four, five, six, seven wide receivers, then you go back to a more balanced build because the things that we're looking for for zero running back, they're just not there. But if it's a deeper league, if it's something like the Rotoviz Triflex League where you can start up to six wide receivers, you want to make sure you have that firepower. But the cool thing with an auction is that you're not limited to just one or the other. You can take that star running back. And that may not be the guy that you want. I mean, Christian McCaffrey may go for half of the money that somebody has. And in that case, it's probably not the right choice for you to be in on that guy. But if there's someone that you do like, even if it's, say, um, a rookie, maybe you want to make sure that you get Travis Etienne, you can do that in an auction and still build that wide receiver depth in most cases. Again, every auction turns out a little bit different, but I like to have as many high-end guys as possible, knowing that I also have a lot of personal targets and favorite guys in that 100 to 175 range who can fill out the back of my lineup. And just when we're talking on uh, auction content as well, um, Dave Cabin has some, done some uh, really good stuff o- over the years on the website. And even if it may not be set up for uh, the players from this season coming, uh, I would highly recommend and check it out just for strategy. There's a lot of good stuff that he has there. You can search it through the road of his website. We have been mentioning on recent shows, we're heading into episode 200 over the next couple of weeks. We're looking for those five-star ratings on your favorite podcast app, and that will enter you into our contest, which will be announcing the winner of come episode 200. Uh, five-star review in this week that we're going to read through comes in that says, the best podcast. Basketball is my favorite sport. Uh, maybe, Sean, last week we were converting people who were non-zero RB. Now we're converting people from different sports to, to leave us five-star reviews. So it's all all going in a positive direction um, but he read but there is no basketball equivalent to this podcast this one is the most insightful of both my favorite major sports if i could only listen to one it would be this one i hope it doesn't blow up uh, we have to disagree with that <laughs> we hope it does blow up but he hopes it doesn't blow up um, because we they re, they routinely predict random players to become nfl stars uh, and make tremendous tv show recommendations i'll have to give sean the credit on the the tv show recommendations um on, on that one but it's always good to see those uh reviews coming in and once again thank you uh, for dropping that one if you do have a couple of moments drop us a five-star review in your favorite podcast app it is uh, much appreciated it doesn't take long to do but it does help any podcast you really listen to in terms of their charts in terms of uh, future recommendations for people using podcast apps so 
is much much appreciated as always you can get yourself a 10% discount as well for one year rotavis pass and all you have to do to gain that access is go and add the pass to the checkout add the code rv radio 2021 save yourself 10% off that pass get access to all of the tooling and content we talk about here on the shows on a regular basis if you want more information on that as well you can go to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for additional information that's going to do it for the second show off the week as we mentioned a lot of uh, dynasty startup talk on tuesday's show as we kind of went with a redraft approach in terms of who to target for 2021 to try and give you yourself the best success in Superflex Dynasty startups this season. Uh, head on back and check that one out. Uh, that's going to do it as we wrap this one up. My name's Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtimeireland. You can also send us suggestions there for future shows or you can send them to rotavizradio at gmail.com. And of course, my co-host is Sean Siegel and you can check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. So until we're back with another edition of the show next week, two more shows coming your way. And until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.